Father, that's why we're here this morning. We come because we know that you are the only place we can truly find hope and peace and comfort in this world. We know that you are the only one truly worthy of all of our worship, and so we come every week to worship you. And we pray that all of the things that we do this morning, the songs that we sing, the prayers that we pray, and, uh, and now that we, as we come to your word, Lord, we pray this would bring you glory and honor. And Father, we come to your word because we know it's the only place we can find truth, it's the only place we can find leading and guiding from, from you in this world, Lord. And so we come and we ask you to speak to us and speak clearly to us through your word. And, and any fears or frustrations, anything that would distract us from hearing what you have to say this morning, Lord, we pray that you would push that off to the side, push that to the background so we could truly hear what you have to say and may it cut even beyond our minds but cut deeply into our hearts so that we would leave as people changed because we've heard what you've had to say to us. And so, Father, we pray that you would open our ears to hear, our eyes to see, and our hearts to receive what you have to say to us this morning. And all God's people said, Amen. So we're sticking with Genesis. We'll be in Genesis 1 and 2 throughout this whole series. And so if you have your Bibles with you, you can turn to Genesis 2, uh, verses 5 through 7, and then we're going to look at a couple. I'm going to read these at, at the beginning, but actually we're not going to look at those throughout the sermon because most, um, they just kind of reinforce a lot of what we read at the beginning here. So Genesis 2, verses 5 through 7. Now no shrub of the field had yet appeared on the earth, no plant of the field had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not sent rain on the earth, and there was no man to work the ground. But streams came up from the earth and watered the whole surface of the ground. The Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being." And then at the end, uh, as Eve was created, the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep, and while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man, and the man said, this now is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. (laughs) I figured that would resonate with a number of you. I was thinking, you know, last fall, I had a three-month period. Um, I don't know what happened, um, but I had a three-month period where my back was a mess. And, and it seemed like I couldn't do anything to make it feel better. And since I couldn't make my back feel better, then I couldn't do anything. <laughs> when your back hurts, you just can't. And so I kept trying to do these different stretches and exercises and trying to get it loosened up, and it just wouldn't work. And I had all these things I needed to get done and all these things that I wanted to do, and I couldn't do any of them. And one day I got so frustrated, I screamed this out loud. I, was, I think I was the only one in my house where I'm just like, I'm tired of this stupid body. <laughs> There's all these things I want to do, and I just can't do them. And uh, by the laughter, I assumed um, many of you have been there before, Right? And, uh, and many of you, especially as you get older and your body begins to decay, 
Um, There's this new meaning in Jesus' words, right? When he goes into the garden with his disciples before his crucifixion, his disciples kept falling asleep and he said, well, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. (laughs) And you go, I get that as I get older. The spirit's willing. I want to do this. I want to do that. I used to be able to do this. I want to do that. And yet my flesh will not let me do it. And we get tired of it. We get frustrated we say i'm tired of this stupid body and uh, when we read this morning's passage in a sense it starts to make sense right because we read the lord god formed the man of dust from the ground and we go yeah there's a lot of days i feel like i was formed out of dust not not rock i wasn't like chiseled out of marble or granite i'm just feel like a big pile of dust walking around kind of fragile and and there's a part of the reason Um, God formed us. There's a lot of reasons why God formed us from the dust of the ground. I can't even get into all of them this morning. But but one reason is just to humble us. And uh, I love uh, John Calvin is fairly blunt in his commentary. He says, now that you know you've been formed of dust, let foolish men now go and boast about the excellency of their nature. Like now that you know you're just made of dirt, now go on and brag about how great you are. Um, You really can't. And, and Abraham, from the Bible, says that too. He's talking, he goes, Behold, I've undertaken to speak to the Lord, I whom but dust and ashes. And he says, Man, I, how can I, someone who's just made out of dirt, how can I speak to the creator of the universe? And, and it, it puts him in his place and humbles him, and it's supposed to put us in our place and humble us as well. But the interesting thing is there's a contrast here between what we talked about last week. Right? Last week was all about we were created in the image of God, full of dignity and honor and worth and, and value, and we're the crowning point of creation. And now we're told, yeah, but you're also made of dirt. And, and it's important for us, the Bible intentionally does that, to hold, we need to hold those two things in tension. Yes, we're in the image of God. Yes, we're the crown of creation. Yes, we have image and worth and value, but we're also just dust. And, uh, and if you kind of forget that, if you begin to forget that we're made out of dirt and you only think about the glory and the majesty of humanity, you begin to just worship humans for being glorious and majestic, which we see happening around the, uh, throughout the earth. People forget that we're made out of dirt and we start to think, man, humans are the best thing ever, and we start worshiping humans. But on the other hand, if you, only, if, you, if you forget that we're made in the image of God, that, we're, made, that we have, we're full of worth and value and dignity, um, you can easily begin to think that we're nothing but dirt. Right? And there's a lot of people who go around and say, we're not. We're just, we're just worm food. That's all we are. We're just worm food. We, we come, you know, eventually we'll die and the worms will eat us. And there's no meaning. There's no purpose. Human life is nothing, which we also see happening people talking that way. And so, Scripture tells us we need to hold both of these in tension. We need to realize that we are created in the image of God. There's value and dignity and worth. But it also kind of puts a check on that and says, but you're created out of dirt. You're not as big a deal as you may think you are. And yet it also reminds us, um, Scripture reminds us in this passage in particular, that... um, our bodies are good. Um, 
Even when we get really frustrated with our bodies, God says, no, I gave you a body, I created it, and then I said, that's very good. And actually, all of the physical world, I mean, all of creation, right? God looked at everything he created, the entire physical realm, and said, that's very good. And so, even when we get frustrated with our bodies and they're falling apart, we we need to remember that God said, I gave you a body, and I said, it's very good. And uh, Herman, Herman Bovink, another uh, theologian that I appreciate. He says, he reminds us, he says, the body is not a prison, but it's a marvelous piece of art from the hand of God Almighty. And, and he says that because of the word formed. It says, the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground. And the imagery that's going on here of forming is used throughout Scripture as a potter with, with clay, working with Dirt, creating something beautiful. And so in Isaiah, he's, he's rebuking the, the nation of Israel, but he, he uses the same kind of language. He says, Woe to him who strives with him who formed him, a pot among dirt pots. Does the clay say to him who forms it, What are you making? Or your work has no handles? And so he's, he's but so we probably, most of us need to hear this rebuke a little bit, but, but get beyond the rebuke for a second and notice what he's talking about. This idea of forming is the language of a potter working with dirt, which is clay, and forming something beautiful, forming a work of art. And that's what God did when he created humanity. He took dirt and he formed it like a potter with clay. And so he wasn't making a prison for us, but he was making something that was very good. And that makes sense when we hear Paul, um, the Apostle Paul in the New Testament says, I'm not going to be ashamed, but with full courage now as always, Christ will be honored in my body. In my, not just in my soul, not just in my spirit, but in my body. Christ is to be honored by the way we use the bodies that God has given us. Our arms, our legs, all of these things are good things that God has given us and we need to honor God with them. And then later in, in 1 Corinthians, he says the body's not meant for sexual immorality, um, but for the Lord. And so it's with any sin, really, but in this context, he was talking about sexual immorality. But he says the body was not created for these things. The body was created for the Lord, to bring him glory, to bring him honor, and, and to worship him. And so our bodies are good. God gave them to us for a reason, and He gave them to us to use to bring glory and honor to Him. And uh, before, before I move on, I just wanted to stop and another side note. I mentioned this last week, but just another, this is another reason why it's bad to, like, this is another reason why murder is bad, and, and even just hurting yourself intentionally um, is bad, because God gave you a body, and He said it's good. And so if you hurt your body purposefully, you're hurting, desecrating something that God said was very good. Or if you hurt someone else's body, right? That's what murder is, just hurting their body very, very badly. Um, And if you do that, you're desecrating something that God said was very good. And if you hurt someone else's body, you're desecrating something that God said was very good. Or if you hurt yourself intentionally, you're desecrating something that God said was very good. 
On the other hand, we're to care for our body. That's the, kind of the opposite of this is don't hurt it, but, but care for the body that God has given you. Cherish it. Nourish it. And that means you need to sleep. You need to eat. You need to work. You need to be active. You need to do the things to keep your body healthy because God gave it to you and said it's good. And it also means you have to accept the limitations of your body. Um, because you have a body, you can't do certain things. You can't fly. Um, you can't go out. I, I would say none of us in this church could go out after this and say, I want to run 100 miles. I don't think any of us could do that. Um, maybe. Probably not. Right? You have to train for that. But your body will not let you do it. It will break down at some point, And you have to accept that limitation, um, which is one of the reasons God gave us bodies. To remind us, you are not God. Actually, um, Scripture tells us that's why we have to sleep um, to remind us that we're not God. Have you ever, I, I don't remember, another pastor mentioned this once. He said, doesn't it shape you as odd that you spend a third of your life laying unconscious in a bed? A third of your life, eight hours of the 24 hours a day, you lay in bed doing nothing, completely dead to the world. And Scripture says that's to remind you that you're not God. The world keeps moving <laughs> even when you're not doing things. And so that's part of why we have bodies. But we have more than a body, right? So Scripture goes on. It says, The Lord God formed man out of dust from the ground, and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. And the word creature, you know, translations are really hard um, and, and hard to get all the nuance, but the word creature is really soul. Man became a living soul. And so we, we find out right away that God, when God created humans, He created us body and soul. He gave us both. We have a body, we have a soul. And, and so we see that in Zechariah. It says, Thus declares the Lord who stretched out the heavens and founded the earth, and He did what? And He formed the spirit of man within Him. And there's that formed language. He crafted your spirit part of us that we don't and we to be honest most of us don't think about it very often that there's this invisible part of us um, that is our soul and most of the times we don't think about it until i would say the times that we most become aware of our soul i think um, is when we enter into periods of deep trial and grief um, and and I, I'm sure we've all had the same experience. You, ent- you come into a time of deep grief and you feel this weight and it kind of sits right about here. And you, could, you can't get on a scale and weigh it. A doctor can't diagnose it. It's just there. And that's your soul. That's this weightiness of your soul hanging there. Um, and that's the invisible part of you being affected by grief and sorrow. And so we've got this, this physical part and this invisible part, this spiritual soul part of our existence. Uh, and over the years, it's been interesting because we, now we're living in a culture that's kind of, they just don't know what to think. Um, and so you, but for so long, we've lived in a world where people have said, um, I don't, I'm not going to believe anything that I can't touch, feel, smell, right? There's no spiritual world. There's nothing invisible, just physical stuff. And so the church, rightly so, has tried to push back against that and said, no, we have 
there's, there's a spiritual world, there's a spiritual realm, there's some invisibleness to us. Um, but and sometimes in trying to swing the pendulum one way, um, we can swing it too far. And I think the church has, in trying to emphasize the spiritual, we've sometimes de-emphasized um, the physical. And uh, so one saying that I've heard quite often that's close but not quite right is, um, we are not bodies with a soul, we are souls with a body. Have you ever heard someone say that? We're not bodies with a soul, we're souls with a body. And what, it, it, you know, it's not quite right because that seems to be emphasizing that the, like the essence of who we are as humans is our soul, right? We are a soul and we just have this body that kind of goes along with us. And so it kind of de-emphasizes our, our body, but that's not actually what, what Scripture does. Um, scripture actually says God created us body and soul. We have, they're both. And, and they're both connected, deeply, deeply connected to one another. And so some people have tried to say, well, we're embodied souls or ensouled bodies. And, and I tell them, well, anytime you try to do that, you're trying to kind of pit one against the other a little bit, aren't you? You're trying to say, well, the body's a little bit more important or the soul's a little bit more important. And I'm saying Scripture teaches us that they're both we can't emphasize one over the other. They're both there. That's, our humanity rests in our bodies and souls together. Um, and as we, as we go into the next section of this series, we talk about some of the problems around sexuality. I'm going to say that pretty much all of them are the result of us either emphasizing the body too much or emphasizing the soul too much. So we either emphasize the body and degrade the soul, or we emphasize the soul and we degrade the body, and that causes a ton, a ton of problems. And so we need to hold these in tension. Our bodies and souls together are good. They're, they're very good. And God has joined them together, right? And he didn't say it in this context, but I will. What God has joined together, <laughs> let not man separate. And it's also why our catechism starts the way it is. It says, what's your only comfort in life and in death? That I'm not my own, but belong, what? Body and soul. And I cut out the in life and in death. But I belong body and soul to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. We don't just belong to Jesus in our soul. We don't just belong to Jesus in our body. We belong to Him, body and soul. Which means our, our body and our soul need to be submitting to Him and obedience to Him. And it means Jesus is caring for our bodies and our souls. And so since they're all deeply connected, that also means that, that our sexuality as well is connected to our body and our soul. Um, they're both connected deeply. And we, can't, we can't really separate them. And I think we know this is true. And, and I'm going to use an example that could be misunderstood. So... Try to be gracious with me and, and don't misunderstand what I'm trying to say in this. Um, but, but it's an example that I'm going to... So be patient. Let me work it all out. Um, but there's another saying that's become really common. And it, it's, there's a lot of truth in this saying. Um, but I, it's not always helpful. There's a saying... We, we say this a lot. It doesn't matter what's on the outside. It only matters what's on the inside. Right? And there's a lot of truth to that. And there's a lot of biblical truth to that too, right? We shouldn't be whitewashed tombs, pretty on the outside, ugly on the inside. And Proverbs says, a beautiful woman with no discretion is like a pig with a gold ring in its nose, 
right? So, <laughs> um, so we obviously aren't talking about being beautiful on the outside, ugly on the inside. That's not what I'm talking about. But, but what that saying does, again, is it kind of de-emphasizes the body. And, and here's how I know that we know this isn't true. Um, picture Valentine's Day next year. And you wake up and you take your Valentine's Day card and you bring it out to your spouse and you give it to them and say, open it, open it. And they open it up and they cut it open and they open up the card and it says, I don't like your body, but I do like your soul. That will not fly. <laughs> right? You know, that will put you in the doghouse. And, uh, and you say, but Why? We're supposed to say that, right? What's on the inside matters more than the outside. So I should be able to tell my wife, you're ugly, but I think you're pretty on the inside. No, it won't work because God created us body and soul. We need to relate with one and not just, especially with our spouses, we need to relate with them body and soul. Um, And with the people around us, we need to interact with them, both body and soul. We can't disconnect them. And so the right thing to put on that Valentine's Day card is to say, honey, I think you're sexy, body and soul. Um, And that'll get you some brownie points. And then you actually got to believe it. You don't just say it, but believe it and live that way. But we interact with one another, body and soul, and we shouldn't emphasize or de-emphasize either of those things. And we see that in our relationship with Jesus as well, right? We belong to him body and soul. He came to save us, body and soul. That's why Jesus was born a man. He took on flesh. Um, If Jesus would have only came to the earth as a spirit without a body, he could have saved our spirit, but he could not have saved our body because he would not have been a full representation of us. And if Jesus would have came to the earth and only been a body, and not a spirit. He could have saved our body, but not our spirit. And yet Jesus came. He was fully God. He was fully man. But as a full man, a full human, he lived body and soul. And he did that so that he could save us body and soul. And so we see, I mean, it's fairly obvious that Jesus had a body, right? We saw he, he walked around on earth. He ate. He drank. He slept, right? He slept in a boat while there's a crazy storm going on. He, he touched people and healed them. He had a body, but he had a, a soul as well. And we see that in the garden as he's getting ready. He, he knows that his crucifixion is coming, and he looks at his disciples, and he says, my soul is very sorrowful even to death, right? He, he's feeling that weight of his soul. He says, my soul. So Jesus had a soul, and yet... What happened right after that? He went off, he started praying, and because his soul was so sorrowful, what happened? He started sweating drops of blood, which means he was a man. He had a body. He was bleeding. And so the body and the soul are so deeply connected to one another. And even as Jesus came to the end of his life and he's hanging on the cross and his body is beaten and bloodied and bruised and his body's about to die, he said, into your hands I do what? I commit my spirit. And so at death, his his body and his spirit were separated from one another, right? His body went and laid in a tomb, and he said his spirit went to be with his father, but they weren't separated forever, right? On the third day, 
he rose again, body and soul. His, his spirit was reunited with his body in that grave, and his body rose again from the dead. And what did he do? He walked around on earth for 40 more days, and he touched people, and he ate, and he drank. People touched him and said, wait, are you really here? And Thomas, you know, poked him. And Jesus said, yeah, my body is here. And even when Jesus got to the end of that 40 days, he ascended into heaven to be with his Father. Guess how he ascended into heaven? Body and soul. And he's seated at the right hand of the Father right now with a, with a body. And it's the same for us. And I think we sometimes kind of forget that reality a little bit. That I think we're, we're all fairly aware that when we die, there's this separation between our body and our soul, Right? We die, our body gets buried in the ground, and, and if we've put our faith and trust in Christ, our, our soul goes to be with the Father in heaven, and yet that's not the, the end of the story. We, we don't go through the rest of eternity as just an invisible soul. Um, just like Jesus, there will be a time for us as well when our bodies and our souls are reunited and our body is resurrected from the dead. Um, He says that's going to happen when He comes again. He creates a new heavens and a new earth and we will be resurrected. Our our bodies will be resurrected and we will live in these new bodies in a new creation for the rest of eternity. And it talks about that through many portions of of Scripture, um, but probably the most beautiful, um, the most powerful is in 1 Corinthians 15. And uh, I would read you the whole chapter, but I'm not going to. It's like 60 verses. Um, So I encourage you to go home this afternoon or this evening around the dinner table, open up to 1 Corinthians 15, and read it and meditate on it a little bit. But I want to give you a little taste of what 1 Corinthians 15 says. Um, So it is with the resurrection of the dead, which is us. What is sown is perishable. What's put in the ground is perishable. It dies. But what's raised is imperishable. It will never die. What is what's put in the ground is put in in dishonor, but it's going to be raised in glory. What's, what's put in the ground in weakness, it will be raised in power. What's put in the ground, a natural body, it will be raised a, get that, a spiritual body. Not just a spirit, but a body. A, spirit, a body that's full of the Spirit. And then he says later, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we'll not all die, but we all will be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable, never to die again, and we will all be changed. For this perishable body that falls apart and breaks must put on the imperishable that will never fall apart and break. And this mortal body must put on immortality. That's going to happen one day. And it's a pretty beautiful picture, I think, because we, we have this tendency now, we get frustrated with our body and say, well, this stupid body, I'm sick of it, I can't wait till I no longer have a body. But one day we will have a body, and that body will never break down again. You will be able to go out from church and run for 100 miles because your body won't break down, it will be perfect and restored and renewed and your cells won't break down and, and it will live forever. And 
the eternity will be that perfect body living in a perfectly renewed creation. The new heavens and the new earth is perfectly restored creation and then our bodies will be raised and perfected and put in that and that's how we will live and worship and serve our Creator for eternity. In bodies and with souls. We will serve and worship our Creator body and soul. Let's come to our God in prayer. Father, we give you thanks for your word and uh, just for the guidance and the direction and even the correction that it offers as we go through this life trying to figure out how you've made us, how you've created us to live. Lord, we, we thank you that you show us these things. And, and Father, we, we do come to you and ask your forgiveness for those times where, where even we have maybe... Um, neglected the body that you've given us or we've downplayed the body that you've given us or even we've ignored the soul that you've given us when we've neglected or rejected something of who, how you made us, Lord. We ask your forgiveness and, and we thank you for the comfort we have that we can come to you and be forgiven. And we pray, Lord, that from here on out that you would work in us so that we would, would live our lives, body and soul, the way you've created us to live. Father, help us to, to be those people in the world. Help the world to see that in us. And, and Father, help us to look forward to the day, not when we'd be rid of our body, but look forward to the day when you would give us our renewed bodies. Imperishable, never fading. And we'll, we'll be able to run and never grow weary. We thank you for that promise. <coughs> Hold on to us, Lord, and help us keep our eyes there as we live in this world. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.